It may just be the opening couple of weeks of the summer holiday. It may seem like a weird time to talk about school and teachers. Maybe some of us are glad that we have finished school and are on our summer holidays. Maybe some of us are teachers and are glad that we have made it to the end of the term. But this morning as we come to this passage, what we see is one teacher speaking to another. And we see the challenge in the text that we all all as followers of Christ today have been taught by those who have gone before us, but also have a call and a challenge to teach those who are coming behind us. School is a place to which we have all been. And many teachers, I'm sure, have made an impact on our lives. Maybe some teachers have left a positive impact. Maybe others not so positive. I want to share two stories with you this morning just about teachers in my life, one good and one bad, and hopefully the person who was the bad example isn't listening to the podcast because that might not be a good thing to do, but she's not here, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, I took her to this scene, age six, Jonathan in primary two, and as we know, grammar and spelling are not something that I'm particularly comfortable with or good at, and she, this particular teacher had a rule in her class. Basically, you had to write in pencil, but you weren't allowed a rubber. And she would go through your book and circle every single mistake that you had made. This has scarred me for life. Okay, this is the reason why I'm so bad at it. Then fast forward to Jonathan, age 25, on placement in another Presbyterian congregation, and said teacher is a member of that congregation. She comes forward after the first Sunday I'm there and says, do you remember me? Now inside I'm going, yes, I do remember you and I remember your red pen. But no, I'm like, oh yes, you were my P2 teacher. And she says, yes. She goes, isn't it amazing? It's always the ones you think that will amount to nothing that are the ones that go on to do things. Good example, bad example. Fast forward to the good example. And my English teacher at school, I know, I don't know why I love my English teacher in in secondary school, considering I was so bad at spelling and grammar. But anyway, she had a massively positive impact on my life because she introduced me to a love of reading that has stayed with me to this day. But what we see in our text this morning is a story about teachers. What we see is or what happens is we are enabled to eavesdrop on what Paul is passing on to the next generation in Timothy, and then on to us today. And what we've seen last week was that as we come to this letter of Paul, what we see is not the evangelist, not the theologian, but rather the Paul with a pastoral heart. Here he is in a prison cell wanting to pass on what is important to him, what is going to matter for the next generation to Timothy. And what we see at the very heart of Paul's concern is he is concerned for how Timothy is bearing up. Do you remember last week he asked the question to Timothy, are you up for the challenge that is ahead? Because at this time, things were becoming increasingly different, difficult 
for those who were trying to follow this new Jesus way. And what we see at this time is even some people turning their back on Paul, not wanting to be associated with him, because here is a man who has been boldly proclaiming the gospel all across the known world. But now as we encounter him, we find him in prison. A sad way to end. Paul the prisoner. People were distancing themselves. They didn't want to associate with him. And Paul is concerned that perhaps Timothy might be the next casualty. So what he does is he tries in the the letter as a whole to encourage, to exhort, but also to challenge. Because what we see is Paul giving the the, the hint that life will not be easy if we are to actually follow what we are being called to. He doesn't paint a rosy picture of what it means to be faithful, but rather what we see is Paul clearly saying, and he is one that knows, that suffering will be part of the deal. What we see is Paul saying to Timothy, essentially, that in order to fulfill your calling and your ministry, diligence and discipline will be required. He's challenging Timothy. He's reminding Timothy that life is going to be difficult. But if we can travel through that difficulty and transcend it, ultimately what we will see is that we will not be disappointed because whilst it may be uh, uneasy, whilst it might be uncomfortable, and whilst it may be troubled, there is great reward waiting for us in the end. And as we come to this passage this morning, what we see is Paul instantly from the outset harking back to that first chapter of this letter that we read last week. What we see Paul doing is reminding Timothy that what he needs to do is to fan the faith that is already within him. We remembered how people pass faith on to us down generations, and as we encounter this, Paul is once again reminding Timothy to fan that that flame of faith, that's a mouthful, that's already been placed within him. To see it grow, to see it burn, to see the church expanded, to see the world transformed. And just as at the very outset of this sermon this morning, I set up the contrast between a good and a bad teacher, Paul is doing exactly the same thing in the passage that we have read together. Because what we see is Paul is saying that to be a good teacher, there are three things that are important. He says that good teachers teach truth clearly. He says, secondly, that good teachers live truth And thirdly, that good teachers correct error with gentleness. So for the time we have together, I want us to think a little bit about those three characteristics. Because as we said, each of us has been called, has been challenged by entering into this Jesus story to be passing that faith on to the next generation. All of us this morning sitting here, young and old, are called to be teachers. And for us then, it is important to know what these characteristics mean in the circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in.
So firstly, we see that a good teacher teaches what is true. How do we know what is true? Well, Paul is saying to Timothy that what we need to do is to absorb ourselves in truth. We need to know what it is that we're communicating with the world around us. And this morning, we need to know if we are going to be effective followers of Jesus and communicators of that Jesus truth in our homes and in our streets and in our city. We need to know that truth. We need to be grounded in truth. We need to be rooted in truth. We need to be challenged daily by the truth that ultimately is the Word of God in our lives, transforming us on a daily basis to be those effective communicators of change in the world around us. Paul is telling Timothy to be the kind of teacher of truth that wants people to follow in their path or is setting a track for others in which to run. We need to be communicators of truth because Paul tells us in this passage that there were those in his day as there are in ours who were not communicating truth. We see that there were people teaching different things. There were people saying things that weren't exactly correct. But rather, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't be caught up in that. Don't be changed by that. Rather, constantly be changed and transformed by the faith that is already impacting your life. Because if you are communicating the truth, you need to know what it is. But Paul says also that you need to live it. It's no good knowing truth. It's only good if you put that truth into action. This morning, you need to be consistent. Paul was saying to Timothy, and this is saying to us, we need to be consistent basis. Because we see Paul go off and try to explain a little bit through imagery what he is meaning. He says to Timothy and he says to us, imagine a stately mansion. In these grand homes you find two kinds of vessels. As Eugene Peterson puts it in his translation that June Pat read to us this morning, he says, in a well-furnished kitchen there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but also also waste cans and compost buckets, some containers used to serve fine meals, others to take the garbage out, become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. What we need to do this morning is not get in the way of what God is already doing. We need to be containers of truth that can be used in the variety of different situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. Whether it's in Uganda next week, whether it's in work tomorrow, whether it's in Torre del Mar next Sunday morning for me. We need to be able to be used as we are where we are. Be the kind of vessel that isn't constrained to just one particular use, but rather can be used in whatever way God wants to use us. And with this in mind, Paul challenges Timothy by saying, saying, do not be caught up by the desires of your youth. Rather, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. We are to do exactly the same. Paul's concern for Timothy is not only about instruction, 
but it's about that teaching being lived out. This morning, as we seek to be those containers of truth, we need to live it out. Paul is saying time and time again to Timothy in this letter that he needs to engage in a manner that is appealing. Basically, we have this great truth to communicate with the world. And Paul is saying to Timothy, by the way you behave, by the way you get on, by the way you communicate it, don't be putting people off. This is something exciting. This is something life-changing. This is something revolutionary. Share it with gladness. Share it with love. Share it from a spirit of peace. Communicate it in a way that people can catch on to what we are trying to do. This morning, as we saw last week, there is a challenge in this text to us. There is always a challenge. And it's, oh, this morning for us, it's about how are we living this out? Are we staying true to truth? Are we being containers of truth? How are we communicating that truth to others around us? That is the challenge. And as we said last week, the only consequence then is, how do we get caught up in doing it? Because we have to. It's part of the call that Christ has placed on our lives. We have to get on with what he wants us to do in the different places that we find ourselves in. So this morning, are we up for the challenge? Are we ready? Are we wanting to be transformed, not just for the good of ourselves, but for the good of the people around us in our city and on our streets. This morning, what kind of vessels are we? May we have the courage. May we have the audacity. May we have the hope and the dream to be the kind of vessel that can be used to communicate truth in this city in whatever way God is calling us today. May we be inspired. May we be encouraged. May we be transformed. But may we not leave here the same. Because... We have no other option if we're going to get in on what God is doing today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we once again remember the challenge of your word to our lives today. And we pray that just as you have come into our lives, that you have made us your vessels, that you would enable us to be the kind of vessels that you want us to be, that we would be up and ready for the challenge, that we would be ready to be used in whatever circumstance to communicate whatever it is you want us to communicate into the lives of those around us. May you inspire us. May we get caught up in what you're doing. May we play our part. May we see this city and your world transformed. Then that we could be part of what you're doing here and now. Because you're a God that's not just interested in the past, but a God who is actively active in the present. So show us ways to be your hands and feet today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.